Hey, Adam. What's up? What's that little screen over there you got? Extra screen. Are we doing uh, old school? Yeah, I'm watching soap operas while we record this. Are those really still on? My stories. O- only in Espanol. Me llamo... <laughs> I'm Adam Manis. Me llamo es Pedro Martinez. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. Coming at you today's episode of the You'll Hear It podcast is sponsored by the Oxford American. Go to OxfordAmerican.org for a very special offer. That's OxfordAmerican.org slash YHI. That's right. Um, things sound a little different in my cans today. I like that. Well, yeah, actually, no, I don't like that because it's a little loud, but that's okay. Well, it's a little loud. I got you, buddy. Oh, you can control that. I can control you right here. So while <laughs> Andrew is uh, is out of town, yeah. our producer. So old school, I'm producing. We're self-produced. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about different camera angles because we only have one today. So like, remember when the podcast was crappier? That's when I produced it. <laughs> That's not true. Okay, baby. <laughs> no, but uh, if you have any uh, uh, questions, comments, or complaints, send those to uh, Adam at, no, at com. All right, we have a speak pipe. Uh, this is from Charles. Peter, Adam. What's happening? It's Charles out here in Atlanta. You two have done a great job of giving those of us who play tips on how to get and keep gigs. My question today is for those of us who arrange. Do you have any tips for those of us who arrange on getting and keeping arranging gigs? Well, the keeping is probably pretty self-explanatory. Do a good job, meet your deadlines. But getting the gigs uh, can be somewhat of a challenge at times. So any suggestions you two have would be greatly appreciated. As always, you're doing a fantastic job. Keep it up. Thanks. Wow, what a great qu- question. I don't, I don't know if a lot of musicians realize how much work there is out there for arrangers. There's, yes. there's quite a bit. You know, before uh, I came on to open the studio, um, uh, in more of a full-time capacity, I was doing. I mean, I was really building like a nice stable of people who are hiring me for a lot of arranging uh, i just don't have enough enough time to keep it going now but yeah uh, there's a lot of work out there if you're if you're good at it and you're fast and you're easy to work with yeah and it, it, i think that there was a thought a few a few years ago well really shoot 25 years ago now when it was like the machines are taking over the machines are taking over and that there wasn't going to be any more need for arrangement and things did change i think from the times when you had uh, well, I remember, like, you know, my dad, when he was a kid, so we're going back to, like, the 50s and si- kind of 60s, mm-hmm. he uh, he played in a, uh, like, a studio orchestra, kind of a studio band. Yeah. It was more of a band, but it had a few strings. He played violin in, like, when he was in high school in, like, the NBC station in Charlotte, North Carolina. The where local they, station the had their own The local station band. had their own, and for certain shows, and it was live. It was all live. I yeah. mean, I guess they did record some things but it was mostly live but there was like a staff arranger who was probably the piano player mm. or whatever and they he'd just make these charts topical to whatever was on the news or whatever little show it was and i mean th- but every town had that and then the bigger cities had bigger orchestras and different bands and there was so many live situations and there wasn't the the opportunities for recorded music along with so i mean it was just constantly in need of new things yeah so that did change. But, I mean, yeah, there's still a lot of things. I mean, people love music, and they want to have their music played for different um, uh, combinations of instruments. And that's really where arranging comes in, and as, as opposed to composition. You yeah. Know? 
I mean, Charles, to help help with your question about getting arranging gigs, I can kind of give you a brief background of of how I started in it and and sort of got my name around. It's really just uh, throwing your hat in the ring to do arrangements, yeah, and then proving that you can you can do them well, and uh, playing with a lot of um, instrumentalists that are going to need arrangements. So like yeah. I started with uh, when I was in Aaron Bodie's band and she would work with David Halen, who's the concert master here at the St. Louis Symphony, string quartets or even larger string, you know, string orchestras or whatever. And I just made it known like, hey, I want to do these string arrangements. It was all for like, you know, jazz stuff for like yeah. for like pop standards. And and uh, you became like the jazz stringy guy. Well, this is of. the thing, though. So another thing with this is is understand where your strengths are. Like my strengths are not, you know, arranging Mozart for different ensembles or, or orchestrating you know classical stuff at all because I'm not a classical musician. But, you know, I can do jazz and gospel yeah. and even, you know, more pop and rock arrangements yeah. uh, for R&B, for orchestras, for bands. And hip-hop? You did a little hip-hop thing for the I've, Cardinals last year? I've done, I did a hip-hop thing for the Cardinals. That was really fun. It was a game changer. Uh, that was literally the name of the, <laughs> of the arrangement. But, uh, but no, it's, it's like know what your strengths are. Know that, that you, that's something that we can do as, as jazz musicians that classical musicians really can't do as well as us is, is these jazz arrangements. Right? right, right. So know that. And, and I would say like start hiring string players. Start hiring players of ensembles that you want to work with right. in your own thing and then make arrangements for them. They'll, they'll be impressed with your arrangements if they're good and then be like, you know, they'll file that away. Is like, all right, well, well, now we need a... We need an arrangement of Amazing Grace for this church service, and like I know that guy Charles is good at it, so right. like, let's do it. Yeah, and that's yeah, and so since he was talking about getting and keeping arrangements, and he was right, he's like, well, he kind of answered his own question on the keeping part: do a good job and keep your deadlines. Keep and I think deadlines. you and I are both really good at one of those too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> I always keep my deadline. It's there's there's it's no changes. One, <laughs> no one knows what the mad rush is up to the deadline. That's right. It's not really into their business. That's right. No, but I mean, of, of course, those are both important but doing a good job is the most important you know communication is the thing because look deadlines are gonna on both sides you know they're gonna push it up they're gonna pull it back you know communication but yeah i think getting it your idea about especially talking about the, the actual players a lot of people don't think about that it's not about impressing them it's about working with them getting to know them letting them know and yeah. i'm kind of reiterating now what you said and and because they are the ones who are talking to the people that are going to actually be making the decisions. And we always assume, oh, there's so many great arrangers. These big ensembles already know. No, they're always looking for people because yeah. you, you're saying you don't, you know, maybe arranging Mozart is, is not your specialty. Well, that's good because they already have an arrangement of Mozart. He wrote it out already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they don't need that as much. But but what are we always hearing? Like orchestras are always like, we want to do different things. And they don't have people on staff there no. that can do that. So they're looking. And, and then there's so much, I mean, n- not to offend anybody out there listening, but there's so much. It's just an area of music that there's a lot of crap. Tons. Is, is sm- Yeah, really yeah. just bad quality. We can I mean, make them sound cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they want quality arrangements there's just not a lot of good stuff now part of that is because you know if you're not efficient at doing this you can literally be working for less than minimum wage yeah you can get yourself into an illegal employment because the amount of time it takes to do it especially when you're starting out you're kind of investing i think for the future to when you get to that place where you can just sit down and bang out something really good in a couple hours but when you're when you're when you care about it, you really have to look at it as an investment to, to put your best thing and then you get into some ensembles some orchestras some different situations that are going to have an ongoing situation to hire you, they'll be like, wow, 
you know, Adam really, really nailed it on that, that thing. I bet he could do this or whatever. And they don't usually, I mean, they're so used to mediocrity and below yeah. that you come up with something good. You can really, you know, kind of ride that as long as you can take it. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. And, and one of the, one of the keys to keeping these gigs or getting more gigs or getting word of mouth that you're, you're good at this is to also understand the situation that you're arranging for. Yeah. So oftentimes like I've arranged for major symphony orchestras with like two weeks notice, three weeks notice. And I know that they're going to spend a total of five minutes right. rehearsing the arrangement before they play it one time. Right. So I'm not going to make that arrangement crazy hard to read right, right. a bunch of different change like time chem tempo changes time changes. Right. like i'm gonna make it super readable yeah. on one rehearsal yeah and throw in a couple of really hip moments so that it's memorable yeah you yeah, know what yeah. i mean yeah, or maybe yeah. or maybe set a vibe that yeah. i know is something i can do that yeah. that you know maybe they don't have um, but understanding the key to, to keeping these gigs and getting more of these gigs is that you need to make it easy for the people running these these ensembles. Yes. That, that's that's your job. You need to make it easy and make them look good. That's, that's right, because that's what they're really asking for. I mean, and, and sometimes they actually can't. There's somebody there that can do it, but they don't have time or or or, or all the pieces together. Right. And so I think this thing of knowing what you're writing for, not only the instrumentation, obviously you have to know that, but but what the occasion is or is this something like you know i did it a well that was actually was that a no that was a composition i did a commission i mean i don't look at them i don't know about you i don't look at the composition and the arrangement that differently i mean it's like not in terms of the work you know obviously you have more leeway in, in, a, in a in a commission but i did something for alarm will sound yeah, yeah. and that was like that's the time to like go into different times i mean if you're feeling oh yeah, yeah you know what i mean so that but that's about knowing the situation know the situation yeah if it's if it's a chamber orchestra that's avant-garde and is gonna yeah. spend time they're gonna they probably spent a week on your piece yeah and they're not gonna tell you make it really fussy and a lot of time changes but you got to know that that's part of you totally. do, doing your due diligence and then yeah if you're going into a situation that's gonna be like in a big stadium or whatever it's got to have punch it's got it can't be this little thing that's just so delicate or whatever like you'd have in a small chapel and um, that's really how I mean I know that's more along the lines of keeping it but that's also along the lines of getting it you got to go into that first meeting or what, whatever and it's kind of a little bit more mercenary than some of the other things that we do like you got to let them know yes I can bang this out and when they're like well we need it by by four days from now you got, you, and you say all right cool I can do it know that you're not going to have them a, a bunch of time but be, but be confident that you're going to do something simpler yep. but that's going to be effective because all that other crap you're going to write no one's going to hear that anyway in that big situation yeah, that's exactly right in that big situation a lot of those little details get lost anyway yeah. especially if it's a pop arrangement and there's someone singing and there's a drum yeah. set you know and I think that's the reason you get a lot of these really good opportunities and you're getting more is because and I'll just say a quick example as we move to the end of another brilliant episode yeah. I might say yeah. <laughs> um like, you know, you take what you, some of your compositions and some of your arrangements for your group, the 442s, which is a very exposed, well, it's, it's getting bigger now with drums and different things, but there's times where it's very, you know, small and exposed and like you can hear all the things and, and very delicate can be and, and, and a lot of range to it. You write in a certain way. Then when you write something that's going to be played in Bush Stadium coming out of like crappy speakers all over the place with timing or whatever, you I don't know if you even overtly thought about that, but it came across in what you wrote so that it's going to work for the situation. Broad strokes. Yeah, yeah. I, I did think about that. I mean, yeah. that's that's one of these things that you have to be aware of. So, Charles, really, you know, just as if you were like wanting to get in on a jazz scene, yeah. get on these scenes with these instrumentalists that need arrangements. Also talk to them about what makes it efficient, you know, in a one one and done kind of situation, yeah. right? In a, in a studio session where it's like we have a 20 minute rehearsal for the piece and then we're going to 
you know, track yeah. it in an hour. Like, talk to the violinist about, like, what makes this easy to read? What makes this hard to read? You yeah. know what I mean? That yeah. stuff is, is super valuable. To yeah, because you always want, you want to think about, especially there's always some kind of, like, time or money or number of players or, we, or deadline. You know, there's always, there's, rarely is there, like, we want you to do an arrangement, and it's an unlimited budget, and we don't care what you do. We're going to love it no matter what. And get it to us when you can. You know, yeah. things that have never been told to an arranger. You know? Can we give a, uh, I have an ultimate tip here yeah. at the end. Okay, uh, well, we're not there yet. We're not quite we're, we're there close yet. We're close. We're very close. Uh, but remind me about that ultimate okay, tip because it's one of yours. Okay, good, yeah. good, good. Actually, it's one of your dad's. Okay, good. Yeah. good. Well, let's call it one of mine. Okay. He's giving me other things. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that that's good. And I think um, I think we nailed it. Yeah. As usual. Uh, don't forget to go to the Oxford American uh, website. That's OxfordAmerican.org. Hey, sign up for their e-newsletter. It's great. Sign up for it. It's Keep free. In touch. It's, it's free. free. It's free. They'll and let I you know it, what's it's, coming it, out. It, look, I mean, just to let you know, they have a little bit of an ulterior. Can we let them know about that? Sure. The Oxford Americans uh, ulterior motives with that free newsletter. What? They think people are going to sign up for that, consume some of their beautiful content, and then want to subscribe later on. Well, yeah. It's not oh, is that how it works? Okay, good. Yeah. But it works. What are we it doing is this podcast stuff. for, buddy? <laughs> exactly. Our health? <laughs> yeah, so they'll come back tomorrow. Yeah, but, but then when you do go to subscribe, come back to OxfordAmerican.org slash YHI for a very nice little deal. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hey, thanks, Charles. Uh, Charles is actually a really good transcriber for Open Studio. Ah. Uh, oh, this amazing, is that Charles. Yeah, drummer. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah uh, so thanks for the speak pipe. Keep the speak pipes coming, everybody. We got a flood of them this week. Exactly. And we love them because we, we love hearing from you. We love answering your questions. Go to you'll hear com to leave us your voicemail we call it a speak pipe uh people are getting into the speak pipe name too by i know the way. i know we are promoting that 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 company we, we got to find out some more <laughs> about that company maybe we do the speak pipe sponsorship yeah, yeah. and look this is no pressure or anything but just so you know adam's correct we have been getting a ton of speak pipes uh but at a very high level i mean charles is right up right up there at the top and all of them have been pretty good so no pressure but bring it but bring it strong for real okay uh, okay, so our ultimate tip. Yes. This comes from Peter Martin. This comes from Bill Martin. <laughs> uh, and that is, if you're writing for strings, don't mark your bow, bow marks in the actual notation software. Yes. Write them in by hand with a pencil yep. so that it looks like an actual string player made those bow markings. <laughs> and the string players that read that chart will then respect them more. Exactly, exactly. Thus making you look better. That's right. Because they'll actually play them. They'll <laughs> think that a real violinist made these bow markings yeah. in a real actual rehearsal situation, even though it was just the arranger marking them yeah, by yeah. hand. Well, and, and then ultimate tip number two that goes with that too is like do them in pencil, don't do it in pen. Yeah. Because you think, oh, then they're going to change them. But you probably want them to change them. Unless yeah. you have some bad players. But they, they won't be that confident to change them anyway, so you can still have them in pencil. Pro tip number three, <laughs> if you don't know what bow markings are, don't write anything. Exactly. And exactly. It, yeah. And until tomorrow, you'll hear it. <laughs>